Well, good morning, family. Good to see you guys. You ready for the good news? Well, open your Bibles in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6, verses 1 through 4, picking up where we left off last week. Now, we're in a new section uh, this morning in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus teaches us about uh, true piety versus uh, hypocritical piety. So he's been talking about true righteousness and, and as far as the law is concerned, and now we're moving into what's true piety or greater piety. What does it look like? What does being spiritual actually look like? And so he's going to start with this uh, idea of giving to the needy, which is a very common, pious thing people do. Please give your attention to the reading of God's word. Matthew 6, 1 to 4, giving to the needy. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites in the synagogues and in the streets do, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not, left, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that you are giving many, so that your giving may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Almighty God, please give us the increase of faith, of hope, and of love. Make us love what you command so that we may obtain what you have promised. We ask through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and with the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. So uh, Jesus alerts us to a danger uh, that we have difficulty seeing on our own. Jesus tells us to beware or be aware of our ability to do uh, foolish things while we're actually doing good things. Did you even know you had that capability? Jesus is saying, pay attention, attune to this. That's what piety is, actually. It's doing spiritually or it's doing religiously good deeds that connect us to God and they benefit our neighbor. They benefit other people around us. That's piety. And Jesus warns that there is a constant temptation for us to practice our pious deeds in front of others so that we'll be seen by them and get this, and praised by them, and praised by them. Uh, by the way, that's, that's Jesus' definition of a hypocrite. That's not our definition, but that's Jesus' definition of being a hypocrite or acting hypocritically. And so I'm going to quote uh, New Testament scholar Jonathan Pennington. He says, quote, Jesus defines a hypocrite not as a supposedly righteous or religious person who's actually living an immoral life, but one who is indeed righteous in their outward behavior but they're doing so with the wrong motives, the wrong heart, close quote. So do you see how much deeper Jesus' definition of hypocr hypocrite goes? It goes down into our heart. 
A hypocrite, it might be like this. It might be like a, a, a real big business that actually does good deeds. They actually do good things. They do promote women authors uh, or support black entrepreneurs or give money to care for Ukrainian uh, refugees, but they advertise their piety on their homepage of their website in big, bold letters, like it's the first thing on the banner you see. And they're doing it because it's profitable for them, not because they're interested in solving a real injustice or caring for the needy. They do things because it is strategic for them to be seen by the public as a caring business. Jesus says that is a hypocrite. And then he looks right at you and me And he says, beware. This is a constant temptation for you too, disciples. Constant. So our hearts naturally find ways to help the needy so that we'll gain praise from them. Listen, that's like the default mode. That's our OS, our operating system. We don't have to try to do that. We just do it. And this is what Jesus is bringing to the surface. We, uh, while we're giving the needy money or a job or just a listing ear or maybe a ride, we're actually losing, using their low needy status to elevate our status. We're using the poor or we're using the homeless or we're using the needy mother-in-law to elevate our status. We're actually using them to make us look or maybe even just feel like a good person. See, I'm doing a good thing. They need me. I don't need them, but they need me. I'm doing something good for them. It's not because we deeply care about them in the moment. And Jesus says, look, that's, that's a true hypocrite. It's not pretending to, it's not saying one thing but doing something else. It's doing what you want to do, but you're doing it for the wrong motives. That just flips a lot of stuff in our life, does it not? Now, here's something I find very interesting about Jesus. Actually, I find everything interesting about Jesus, but there's something in particular I find interesting about Jesus right here. Listen, Jesus doesn't rebuke this inborn, this innate desire for doing, doing things for a reward. Read what he says. That's not what he rebukes and corrects. Jesus doesn't say, hey, the solution here is to stamp out any desire for a reward. Be stoic about it. It's not, that's not the solution. That's very interesting to me. What, what he does is he cautions us against desiring the wrong reward. Fool's reward. Fool's reward. As I say this week after week, look, Jesus is after your flourishing. Jesus is after you gaining. Jesus is after you coming to life. There's a big idea today. Jesus wants to help, wants us to help the needy in a way that gains us the greater reward. That's really it. That's what this, these verses are about. Jesus wants you and I to help the needy in a manner, in a way, that actually gains us the greater reward. Did you find that interesting? And so today we're going to talk about the fool's reward that constantly tempts us. 
We're going to talk about how we gain, how we gain the greater reward. And then we're going to talk about, well, what is the greater reward? We'll leave that to the last. So first, the fool's reward. Praise from other people is a fool's reward. According to Jesus, praise from other people. No matter who they are, that's a fool's reward. So meet me here in verse 2. Jesus says thus, or therefore, when you give to the needy, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you. By the way, this is where we get the phrase blowing your own horn, right? There's so much from the Sermon on the Mount. This is where we get a lot of this stuff. So when you get to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, in a church and those that aren't in church. It's everywhere, right? That they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. They have received their reward. And so, so mark this, Jesus assumes in this, Jesus assumes that giving to the poor and directly helping those that are in need is what all truly spiritual people, what all pious people do. He's assuming that's what you and I will do as part of our life. Listen, it's not optional. It's not like if I have a little extra. This is what we do. Jesus is, assumes, look, you, you, and this is what happened back in those days. You were supposed to put that, charity, you were supposed to put that as a line item in your household budget. It was, that's what you did. Charity for the needy. Jesus even says, when you give to the needy. He doesn't say, if you give to the needy this month. He says, when you give it, when you do it. It's the morally righteous thing to do. This is what moral people do, right? Now, but here's what the hypocrite does. They give in a way that benefits them the most. It's not that it doesn't benefit someone else. It benefits them. It just benefits them the most. Religious hypocrites, they might make videos of them loving their neighbor and then put that on their social media feeds. You know you know what they call that, by the way? Humble brag. I'm so thankful me and my church got to go down to Coffee Oasis and feed uh, the people down there and that we got to be a part of that. Right? The hypocrite gives like this. They stroke checks to those that are in need, but they attach letters explaining in an excruciating detail how generous they're being so they can get the credit. This came from our organization. This came from this family. This came from us, just so you know. They make public how many meals they served, how many houses they've built in different countries, how many people that they've baptized, how many children they've saved from abortion so that others will know that their organization, their ministry, or their, them as an individual are doing good. We did this, just so you know. And Jesus goes, this is so interesting about Jesus, he goes past our behavior he didn't ignore it, but he goes deeper. He goes past our actions, past our, be, our, our action of blowing our own horn, and he gets to the very heart of our, our motivation. Jesus wants us to know why. Why? Why are you doing that? Why are you behaving that way? Why do you and I help the needy like this? Is what Jesus wants us to ask. And the answer is because there's something that's deep in our soul that says we're not good enough. 
We're not good enough as we are. We want to be good people. We're not good enough. And we believe that it's up to us to silence that accusation, to defend ourselves against that accusation. That's up to me. We believe that others will see our good deeds and they'll see enough of them and eventually they'll say, now, there goes a good man. You know that Chad, he's a good man. They'll say, there goes that spiritual person. She's really in tune with the divine. She's in tune with God. Jesus says, look, hey, if that's the reward you're seeking, if that's what you're wanting to hear, if that's the reward your heart really wants, commendation from other people that matter to you in your life, then guess what? You will get that. And that is all you're getting. You will get it, and that is all that you're going to get. Listen, Jesus says this, look, there's nothing after that coming down the road for you. Not from God. And that's a fool's reward. What is a fool's reward? What does that even mean? Let me ask, um, how much do you actually have to give to someone in need before they praise you as a good person? So they actually say, hey, you're really a generous person. Like what, like what dollar amount can you put to that? Can you put a dollar amount to that? Well, the answer is, well, it depends. It depends. And it depends on a lot of factors, does it not? It depends on who you're helping. Depends on how many people you're helping. Depends on how long you're helping them. It depends on how much it actually helps. It depends on who's watching you help them, if they even notice it. In other words, that bar is constantly doing this and changing. You can't know. I can't know for sure. I might get a hunch, but I can't know. So let me ask this question. What happens when you feel that because you've got a dollar amount attached to this or an hour of my week or of my life that I've attached to this, what happens when you feel like you've been incredibly helpful You've given them your best advice. You've given them uh, the best that you have to offer. Uh, uh, and you've been very generous to someone who's j truly in need. And the praise that you receive from them is not commensurate with the help that you gave them. What happens then? That's never happened to any one of us, right? That's real life. Is that real life? That's real life. So what happens when that happens? You, like, you think... They should have said, thank you. But instead, they took the gift and said goodbye. Or they said, hmm, more please? That all you got? I mean, you think that they should have put your name on a statue in downtown Port Orchard that everyone sees when they drive by, right? And instead, they put your name on a park bench out in the woods that nobody's going to see if they sit down on it and notice it at all, right? What happens when that happens? Well, you've lost your reward. You didn't get your reward. That's the reward that I wanted, and I didn't get it. I lost my reward. And Jesus says, you're a fool. You're not a bad person. You're just kind of dumb. It's a fool's reward. 
And even if you do get recognition for all your charitable acts, guess what? And you know this. There's a shelf life to that praise. Amen? Can the church say amen? There is a shelf life to that. Anybody got kids? Right? There's a shelf life to any praise that you receive from any person, no matter who they are, how old or how young they are. It, guess what? That praise, that commendation that you're a really good mom and dad, you're a really good church member, you're a really good whatever, that lasts exactly until someone else makes a bigger donation. That's the exact time frame. It lasts exactly until someone performs a bigger act of mercy or kindness than you. And then they get the headline in the paper, not you. They get the glory, not you. They get remembered, not you. You get forgotten. And that's a fool's reward. That's why it's a fool's reward. Listen, brothers and sisters, Jesus knows that we all live for attaboys from somebody. And if you're going to say, I don't live for attaboy from anybody, I'm my own man. Yes, you do. Yes, you don't. You lie. You do. It may not be everybody you meet, but there's somebody. We all live for attaboys from somebody. Listen, you know how I know? You know how Jesus knows? Because Jesus did. Did that surprise you? Oh, yes, he did. He lived for an attaboy. He lived for praise from someone. Listen, here's what I'm saying. And this is why that you need to dial into this. This is why this is important. As humans, we can't not live this way. That's why stoicism doesn't work. We are humans, and we can't not live for the praise of somebody else to validate us. So let's be honest. It's really rewarding to hear an attaboy, isn't it? With well, a job well done. It's really rewarding to hear at a girl, isn't it? Come on. Feels good. Feels good. From someone that matters. From someone that matters. It doesn't mean much for it from people we don't know, but from someone that matters, that feels really good. Amen? But listen, Jesus gently alerts us to, to this problem. Praise from people is fickle and it is fleeting. It's a fleeting reward. And deep down inside, you know this. I know this. We sense it at a deep level, which is why being a good person, spiritual or religious person or whatever word you want to use, to do that for the praise of other people, it is an exhausting way to live life. It is an entirely wearisome way to live. It is not flourishing. Jesus says it is foolishness. Jesus says, listen, be wise. Live in a way to gain the greater reward. And so what, what is this way? The greater reward comes by normalizing acts of assistance. The greater reward comes to us by normalizing acts of assistance, acts of help. So meet me in verse 3. We're just going line by line here today. He says, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. There's a lot in that little pithy statement there. Jesus doesn't mean that every act of giving to the needy needs to be shrouded in like absolute secrecy or else you're a hypocrite. That's not what he's saying and that's not what he means. 
I mean, if you were to follow that, like, literally, <laughs> over literalistically, that would lead to complete absurdities. I mean, come on, you've got to sign your name in order for the check to be valid, right? Like, someone's going to know the check came from you, right? I mean, you have to drop off the care package on the doorstep, you know? you got to, you got to, or it doesn't get there. So someone's going to know sometimes. What Jesus means, rather, he means secretive in contrast to this, the phrase before, blowing a trumpet, drawing attention to ourselves and our special gift our good gift that we're giving to people. See, the Jesus way means uh, intentionally uh, helping in a way that does not draw attention to ourselves. But the question is, like, how do we do that when most of our giving will be public knowledge by somebody? So how do we, how do we follow this? How do we live in this way? Well, the wise give in a way that looks normal, not spectacular. That's the way. You give in a way that looks normal, not spectacular. And that's what this phrase, not letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing, actually means. I mean, think about it. Our hands do a lot of different things all day long, right? <laughs> I mean, we're not even aware of half the stuff our hands are doing, right? Our hands are doing things all the time. Normal things, mundane, boring things, things we ignore, right? Our hands open doors, they close doors, our hands wash dishes, they wave to other people, they pay bills, they help us eat food and pick up things. Normal, non-spectacular, there's nothing to see here kind of things every single day. Amen? And Jesus says, listen, that's the way. That's the way. That is how... You help those in need. It's nothing special. It's what we do. It's just what we do. Uh, we the way that we are supposed to give to those in need is it's I think of it as kind of like the way that Five Guys uh, gives people's French fries. Right? You need to have Five Guys. Anybody? A couple of you? Two? You need to go to Five Guys then. <laughs> Forget McDonald's. Forget the bonus fry at McDonald's. Go to Five Guys. Uh, they do this thing that they call the topper. And it's something they're trained to do. What they do is they fill up your, your fry box all the way to the top. Whatever size you order, they fill them all the way to the top. And then they put the topper on. It's another big scoop, and they just dump it over the top of your fries. And then, like, your whole bag just, like, gets grease-soaked, and it's wonderful. All right? <laughs> It's great. You have to dig for your meal through the, like, like the, all the French fries. All right? They're pouring out of the top of your bag. Now, imagine never seeing this been done before. Like, I remember the first time I ate at a Five Guys. They have one in Silverdale. This is not an advertisement for Five Guys. But I'm just saying, the first time I ever ate at a Five Guys, I had never seen this happen before. I felt like I won, like, the French fry lottery or something. That's how I felt. I felt really happy. I was like, that's like $7 worth of French fries. Oh, that's great. I mean, I felt like they were doing something unique. I felt like they were doing something really special. I, to be honest, I felt like they were doing something special for me. Like, I felt like someone made a mistake. And it was just my bag or something. Now I do that with everybody, right? And I asked the guy working behind the counter, I said, hey, uh, there's a lot of fries in here. Thank you so much. I asked him about it. He says, you know what? That's our normal practice. That's what we do. That's what we do. 
That's how you and I are supposed to give to those that are in need. We're not to draw attention to it. Just They're just filling them up, passing them down. Filling them up, passing them down. We're not doing something special, guys. We're not doing anything special. We're doing something normal. We're doing something normal. Listen, we follow Jesus in giving. It's what we do. That's what we do. Amen? We give, you can think about it this way, like a magician does a card trick. I love card tricks. Magician does a card trick. What's he do? What makes it so amazing? He's doing the trick right in front of your eyes. Isn't that what makes a card trick amazing? Huh? They're doing it. They're not doing it like behind the something. They're doing it right in front of you. You get to look at them doing the trick while they're doing the trick. And they're even going to explain to you, look for this. Right? We look at it with our own eyes and we don't even notice the trick has been done. We watch his left hand carefully. We're watching the right hand carefully. They look like normal activities. They're just shuffling and cutting and shuffling and cutting and showing. Just normal activities that he's doing with his hands. There was no smoke used. There's no mirrors used. There's no lights that flash. No bang to distract our attention. Like, when did he do the trick? When did the ten of clubs go to the top of the deck? Like, when, when did it happen? Listen, that's how you and I are supposed to give to the needy. Like it's just our left hand doesn't know what our right is doing. It's just normal. I knew some uh, of the elders and the staff members of this really large church down in northwest Arkansas. Uh, they had four campuses. This was a really big church in northwest Arkansas. And the people in the community of that region of Arkansas, they knew that particular church but it wasn't because of like the big physical building they had and it wasn't because the signs they would put on the street or any of their promotional techniques that's not why the people excuse me really knew this church was there rather the leaders of that church had intentionally created a culture culture Seth Godin says culture eats strategy for breakfast and they created a culture at their church intentionally of normalizing acts of assistance within their members of their church. Helping the needy is normal. That's not special. There's nothing special for them about that. That's just normal. That's what we do. In fact, one of the phrases that I would often hear from uh, the pastors there or others that worked, even the staff, I mean, this was like from anybody. They'd say this phrase, our name nowhere, our fingerprints everywhere. And that was the culture. And they'd say that a lot. Our name nowhere, fingerprints everywhere. They would do things anonymously as much as they could. That was the culture of the, of the people. Not just the pastors, of the people. They wanted to be really hands-on in their community in a way that truly helped needs, not just like did a Band-Aid, like it just made them feel good or look good to the other people in the community. They really wanted to help people's real needs, and they were going out like getting data, getting information, what do people need? We want to help them. But they intentionally did it in a way that did not call attention to the name of the church. You would have to look for that. You could find it, but you would have to do the work to find out what church that was. They were okay with other churches getting credit and going to that church. 
They took this real seriously. Jesus says, look, there is a greater reward for us when we do not seek the praise of people. When we do not seek the praise of people. It is a reward that is not fickle. It's not fleeting. And the way that we gain this greater reward is by normalizing acts of assistance. Helping the needy isn't something special. It's just what we do as followers of Jesus, whether people see it or not, whether they recognize what we're doing or they don't, this is the Jesus way of living in the world, of being in the world. That's how we gain that. So what is it? You guys are, you really want to know now, right? What is this greater reward? Like what could be greater than the praise of other people? Because that's pretty sweet. Praise from our Heavenly Father. That's a greater reward for the wise. Everybody gets a reward in these teachings of Jesus. The fools get a reward and the wise get a reward. Everyone gets rewarded. But, but this, the praise from our Heavenly Father, that's the reward for the wise. Let's go next verse, verse 4. So that your giving may be in secret. We already talked about what he means by that. And your Father who sees. And your Father who sees in secret might reward you. Wait a minute, I misread that. Jesus says, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. A lot to unpack there. But first, let's, let's keep it real. Another moment of honesty, okay? There's a big, big problem, is there not, with living the Jesus way as far as piety is concerned, right? If we actually do this Jesus way of being pious, there's a problem. If we give to the needy his way, this way, secretively, quietly, very little fanfare, people will not notice us. I'm just letting you know they're not going to say thank you. They're not going to know that came from us. Okay? We will miss out on a lot of the attaboys from people. Let's be honest. And that feels pretty good. We will miss out on people approving of us and thinking well of us or even thinking of us at all after all that we've done for them. Okay? We will miss out on people thinking that we are spiritual, that we are in with the man upstairs. And it seems that if we live the Jesus way, then we're guaranteed to miss out on any kind of reward. Now, Jesus knows this about us, and he doesn't skim over it or ignore it. He actually addresses it. Isn't Jesus great? This is his response. No, the Father sees what you are doing in secret, and he will reward you. Oh, and his reward is greater. You will be rewarded from the Father, and your reward is greater. So what makes the Father what makes the Father's praise greater than the praise of people? Well, one thing that makes it greater is that it's higher in quality. Jesus wants us to know that, that this reward, this praise of the Father, it's actually higher in quality. It's made of better substance. 
Jesus says that you will be approved by the highest authority in the universe. The approval of fellow humans pales in comparison to the approval of God because God's opinion of you is the only opinion that matters in the final analysis. By using this phrase, Heavenly Father, and he uses a lot in Matthew. Matthew uses this phrase a lot. Jesus is once again implying that there is this intimate relationship between God and us. Remember, he's on a mountain, and he's talking to believers and non-believers, to his disciples in the crowd, to anyone that's going to listen to his words. He's saying, come into the kingdom. Come in, come in, come in. Right? Whosoever, come in this kingdom. Doors open. And so this phrase is implying there's some intimate relationship between God and us. We're to see him as our father. If we go back to verse 1 that we read earlier, Jesus says, says that if we don't do this way, what does he say? We will have no reward from our father who is in heaven. Now, most scholars think that a more accurate translation of the Greek in that phrase is, you will have no reward with your father. Not from your father, but with your father who's in heaven. The point being is this, the reward, whatever that reward is, it's with the father. It's with the Father, not apart from God. It's not something that happens separate from God. It's not like, oh, okay, I have a relationship with God because I really want something other than God. I want this other reward over here. I want pearly gates and streets of gold. No, it's with Him. God is a with God. God's a covenant-making God, covenant-keeping God. What higher reward can you get than that? What greater approval could you get than being called a child of the Most High? I am with the Father, and the Father is with me. See, listen very carefully, guys. The absolute best, okay? This is center cut, top tier reward. Ready? The best that we can possibly hear from anybody that's on earth is attaboy. But the best we can hear from God, that's my boy. That's my boy. That's my girl. I'm with her. He's with me. That's the best. Look at 1 Peter 1. He says, the apostle says, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. To what? To what? What are we being born again to? To an inheritance. That sounds like reward, doesn't it? That sounds like a gift. An inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Right? Kept in heaven for you. You know what that means? Inflation can't touch it. That's what that means. That's the reward. That's the inheritance. Isn't that great? That's the greater reward, family. It's the only reward in the universe that will not rust, bust, or collect dust, right? That He says, that's my boy. That's my girl. And it's unfading. It's, it's pure. Like It feels the same way every time he says it. It's like he said it the first time every time. Isn't that great? Amen, indeed. Listen, here's something else that makes it a greater reward. It is certain. It is a certain reward. 
We can never know if people will give us the approval that we are seeking from them. But that is not the case with the Father. That is not the case with God the Father. Jesus says that your Father in heaven will see and he will reward. And he's got a lot of children. But guess what? He's not going to miss your name on the list. Isn't that great? But the question is, but how can I know? How can I be certain? How can I put my faith in him? How can I trust and be certain that the Father will, that we, he will give us the affirmation that we need, the affirmation that we crave all the live long days, what we're craving? How can I know that he will give me that for certain? I give like a hypocrite. Here's how we can know. Look at his son Jesus and look at him being baptized. Look at that scene. Let's back up just a couple of chapters in Matthew. Matthew 3.16. It says, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately He went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to Him, and He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on Him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This, this is my boy. World's greatest attaboy right here in the Bible. God says, this is what? My beloved son. With whom? Where's that reward? It's with the Father. Not from the Father. It's with the Father, right? With whom I am well pleased. This is my son, my beloved son, with whom I'm well pleased. And where do you say that? Publicly. In front of everybody that was there. Jesus was publicly baptized. Why? To help the needy. You, me. That's why Jesus was baptized. Jesus received that baptism of repentance, not because he needed to repent, not because he needed to be washed clean of all of his sins, but because you need to be washed clean of your sins. I need to repent. And I'm not willing to do that. So he said, I'll do it for you. I'll go in front of you. Picture this. Just try to picture what's going on here. Picture there's this water. There's these people sitting around the edge of the water. All these people, and they're going into the water, right? They're going out into the wilderness. They're going away from the temple of God. They're going out into the wilderness. They're being baptized by John. I want you to picture all those people going into the baptismal waters. They're th- thinking this way. They're filling up these baptismal waters of the Jordan with their sin. You know how water get like this little scummy skin on the top of it. I want you to picture, that's the kind of water that's going on. I've never been in the Jordan, but I've seen pictures. It's not exactly clean, is it? Kind of mucky. Well, I want you to picture spiritual muck going into that actual mucky water. And they go in and all that sin is getting washed off of them. It's in that baptismal water. That, that Jesus then, you see Jesus, and then Jesus, He's in line. I can't imagine Jesus waiting in a line, but Jesus steps into that spiritually filthy, contaminated, spiritually repugnant water. And he lets all the hypocrisy, he lets all that filth soak into his garments, into his beard, into his hair, into his skin. And I want you to picture his cousin John. And John's trying to stop him. Don't you get in this water. Don't you get in this water, Jesus. I know who you are, the Lamb of God. 
No, 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 no. He tries to soften what Jesus is saying. I want you to picture that conversation. Jesus says, no, cousin. It's just what I do. This is what I do. This is what I, it's normal. It's what I do. I help the needy. I can just help the needy. I give my life for the spiritually poor. I give my life for the spiritually needy. I give my righteousness. I give my wealth with the Father for the spiritually poor and needy because I know whose I am. I know whose I am. And all I want to do every day I get up is please my Father that I really love. I just want to make my Father happy. His commendation, His recommendation, His opinion of me, His thoughts about me, His approval, that's the greatest reward for me. And what does He hear that day? He gets all that. This is my beloved son. This right here is my boy, and I'm proud of him. And you ought to listen to him. Guys, here is the gospel. If you have been baptized into Christ by faith, then his approval by the Father, that's yours. That's yours. It's not second tier. It's not some derivative of. It's yours. You're approved of the Father. The public praise that the Father gave Jesus' Son, that's been given to you by faith. That's been given to you because Jesus perfectly gave to the needy. The Father looks at you with a smile on His face and says, that's my boy, that's my girl, and I'm pleased with them. I'm pleased with them. This reward is yours and it cannot be lost, right? It cannot perish. It cannot be lost. So live like that's the reward you really want. Live like that's the reward you really want because that is the reward you're really looking for. That's what I'm really craving. Go out and help the needy knowing that it is the Father whom you most want to please because He is most pleased with you. That's the Gospel. Let's pray. Jesus, thank You so much for loving us, for showing us the way, and also for making the way to the Father. Lord, uh, help us be overcome by uh, what You have done for us in our place, that we might respond, respond to Your grace with obedience and love. Lord, forgive us where we have helped people uh, hypocritically. We've helped um, just kind of bump our level to make us feel good. Lord, forgive us of that and wash us anew. Wash our, our conscience clean um, with your righteousness, with your love. It's in your sacred name we pray, Jesus. Amen.